Tonight, I want to speak to you on the subject, Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. He is greater. We need to understand that he is greater so that when we are fasting, we don't think we are starving ourselves. And we need to understand he is greater so that when we pray, we know who we have prayed to. We need to understand he is greater, especially in the context of our theme as a church. And the mission that God has given to us and vision for the next 10 years of planting 100 churches in the next 10 years. And that is 10 churches, new church plants every year for the next 10 years. And we need to understand he's greater because we will go out to preach the gospel. And we need to let people know that this one is superior to any other that has ever been or that shall ever be. Amen. And so we will be looking at the book of Hebrews and I will take you through the book of Hebrews quickly and show you 10 reasons or 10 places where Jesus is described as greater. Hallelujah. It will be a very interesting teaching tonight and I thank God for the teaching anointing upon this place in Jesus' name. Number one, Jesus is greater than the prophets. Tell somebody, Jesus is greater than the prophets. All prophets of old, now, and those that are yet to come. Jesus is still greater than the prophets, especially the prophets of old. Amen. Hallelujah. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, the Bible says, Long ago, God spoke many times. I love the old King James. It says, God who in sundry times spoke to our fathers. It said, Long ago, God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. In olden times, God spoke through the prophets. Now, this does not suggest that in our modern day, God won't speak through the prophets. But no matter what God speaks through the prophets today, the prophets today are not greater than Jesus, and they are not Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. And this, it says, and now, in these final days, somebody says, these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. So the son is superior to any other thing. The son is superior. Jesus is the one who is speaking now. And the spirit of Jesus can speak through a prophet. That's fine, but it does not make the prophet greater than Jesus. It doesn't make any prophet worshipable, if there's any word like that. Hallelujah. For now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. He has spoken through the son. Hallelujah. He spoke through the prophets, but it was not through the prophets that the universe were created. And ladies and gentlemen, some have compared Jesus to the prophets of old. You know, when you speak to those in Islam... They say things like, oh, we recognize him as one of the prophets. And they place him at the same level as Abraham and as Joshua and as all the old prophets. And then they said that Muhammad is even greater than him. Look at the scriptures. It says, God has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. Hallelujah. This is why your faith must be in Jesus the Christ. Because he is God the Son and it is through him that the universe was created. Praise God. 
Through him, the universe was created. Hebrews 11, 1 says that by faith, 11, 11, 3 says, by faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. But then we also know that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Hallelujah. And that word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the scripture in three places is even confirming that the worlds were created and the universe created by, through the Son. And the Bible says, he is the one God has spoken to in these last days. Amen. Verse 3, the Son radiates God's own glory. And he expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. This is the one you should be worshipping. So when we go out to preach the gospel, we will meet people that say, Oh, Jesus, yeah, he's one of the prophets. No, he is greater than all the prophets. Hallelujah. I said he's greater than all the prophets. He's greater than Abraham. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Muhammad. He's greater than any other prophet that has ever lived. He is not one of them. He is greater than them. When he posed the question to the disciples and said, who do men say that I am? The disciples have also heard it when they go to evangelism. They said, people are saying, you are one of the prophets. And then you are like Elijah or you are Jeremiah or one of the prophets who are reincarnated. Then Peter spoke and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. All those who say Jesus is like Muhammad or below Muhammad or like one of the prophets, it is flesh and blood that has revealed it to them. But when you say he is the son of the living God, then the spirit of my father who is in heaven has revealed that to you. Glory be to Jesus. And that is why he is greater than all the prophets. And, and, and people sometimes try to pray through other people. Amen. He is greater than Mary. So you don't pray through Mary. Jesus himself said, Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name. He didn't say in the name of my mother. That is what shall be granted. That is the Bible. Read the Bible. Sure, if you find one verse which tells me that Mary answers prayer, then we will, we will change our position. I just want one verse or even, even a little verse, half verse, half. Praise God. Now, it's very important because so that when you pray, you know who you are praying to. When Mary herself had a challenge, she walked to Jesus and said they have no wine. If she had power to do it, she would have sat where she was and prayed herself. But she didn't. When there was wine shortage at the wedding, she walked to Jesus and said, son, their, their thing is finished. Jesus said to her, woman, what have I got to do with you? Can you imagine that? If she was God, how would the son address her that way? Amen. Say, you, okay. Then the woman went away and said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Hallelujah. This is Mary's recommendation. She says to the servants, after she went to make the request, she said to the people, whatever Jesus says to you, do it. And Jesus has also told us that the only way for an answered prayer is to pray through his name to the Father. So let us listen to Jesus. Amen. And the Bible said, when he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Glory be to Jesus. So we can't compare him to any other person. He is greater than the prophets. Amen. 
So that when you pray, you know who you are praying to. You are praying to one who is greater and is able to answer prayer in Jesus' name. Number two, he is greater than the angels. He's greater than the angels. Jesus Christ is greater than the angels. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4 to 9. And then we will take verses 13 to 14. I feel some fire in my spirit. And I feel a presence of God here. Hallelujah. Because whenever you talk about Jesus, Jesus will manifest. The Bible says that this shows that the Son is far greater than the angels. Hebrews 11, verse 1, Hebrews, Hebrews 1, chapter 1, verse 4 to 9. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 4 to 9. It says, this shows, verse 4, that the Son is far greater than the angels. The Bible itself is confirming my subtitle. He is greater than the angels. Just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. You know, I've seen people, when we were growing up, there were people that, you know, those who go to the seaside to invoke spirits, uh, spiritism, and they worship those. They wear white garments and barefooted to their churches and those places, uh, you know, do a lot of holy water stuff and things like that. Uh, they burn holy incense. And I've always laughed and said, you keep burning this holy incense until you get a holy Qatar. And all this water and they roll on the beach. They worship this kind of angels, so to speak, but these angels are fallen angels because the angels that are still in the presence of God will not accept any form of worship from any man. And it's one of the clear signs. But these ones, they are fallen angels. But these people, they have the names of these angels. They have sent Raphael. They have angel called Raphael. They have got uh, Light Aroja. They've got all kinds of names for them. <laughs> and St. Saint, Saint Anthony. And he speaks. And they, they have the places where they go to. There's a place in a crowd. They have all these things. These mediums and these spirits. Spiritism. Demonic worship. But these are angels. And they pray to them. And there are churches that are like that. They, they worship these angels. So they, too, they, they dress like supposed angels. Barefooted. And wear white. Wear things to look like angels. The Bible says, Jesus Christ is greater than the angels. Hallelujah. No angel can move unless Jesus says move. So you can place them above him. Glory be to Jesus. The scripture says the son is far greater than the angels. Just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. For God never said to any angel what he said to Jesus. You are my son. He never told any angel you are my son. Today I have become your father. Hallelujah. When he says you are my son. Today I have become your father. He became the father on the cross. Hallelujah. You are my son. And you are my father. I am your father. That happened on the cross. When he says today. It's not when he was born. God also said I will be his father. And he will be my son. And when he brought his supreme son into the world. So this is not just a son. The scripture calls him supreme son. God said, let all of God's angels worship him. Regarding the angels, verse 7. He says, he sends his angels like the winds. His servants like flames of fire. But to the son, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. Have you seen it there? 
when he came to the angels, he described them as like the wind and like flames of fire. And he described them as servants. But to the son, he calls him my son. And he says to him, you are God. Glory be to Jesus. He said the son, he says, your throne, oh God. When the father calls the son God, you have to understand the son is also God. But no angel is God. Praise God. That's why Paul said, even if an angel comes with another doctrine, far away from what was established upon the foundation Christ laid, and that with the apostles and prophets laid, then you should not even believe them. Glory be to Jesus. Now regarding the angels, he says he sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. But to the sun, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. Your rule with a scepter, you rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you. Can you imagine the father speaking this way? Describing the son as, O God, your God has anointed you. O God the son, God the father has anointed you. O God the son, your God the father has anointed you. Pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. He's anointed than anyone else. Glory be to Jesus. So you have not believed a lie. You have believed the real deal. Jesus Christ is the real deal. And he says that, verse 13, And God never said to any of the angels, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Verse 14, Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits, sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. God sends them to come and care for us, to protect. They are sent on assignment, but they are not to be worshipped. And they are not greater than Jesus. Hallelujah. So nobody should make any prayer to an angel. In Jesus' name. Nor send them from Africa to America to go and hold elections. You can't send them. God alone sends them. Amen. Glory be to Jesus. Can't find anywhere where the scripture says, and the man of God prayed, and he sent the angel to go. You pray to God, and God will determine the, whether an angel will move or his own right hand will just move. Your duty is to do the prayer. Amen. And let God do the know how. Glory be to Jesus. God has a better technology for solving your problem. But the Bible tells us God commissions his angels to encamp round about them that fear God and they deliver them. This is their function, but they are not God. They are not to be worshipped. So Jesus is greater than angels. Number three. Jesus is greater than Moses. He's greater than Moses. Because there's a religion that holds the Mosaic law so high. And they wish if they see his body today, they will worship it. But Jesus is greater than Moses. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 to 6. And so dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this. About this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. Think carefully about this Jesus. He's not ordinary. He may have been human, but he's not ordinary. He's fully, he was fully human and fully God. Glory be to Jesus. There's a strange sight in heaven. The only personality in heaven now who still have his body and is still God. Because he went up bodily. 
You haven't seen the Holy Ghost before. You haven't seen the Father before. But we have seen the Son. And the Son also told us, if you see me, you have seen the Father. Glory be to Jesus. For the Bible says, think carefully about this Jesus. He was God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God who appointed him, just as Moses also served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. Verse 3, but, somebody say but. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses. So Jesus is greater than Moses. That's why it's dangerous to put him on the same level as other religions say. Or we see him as one of the prophets like Moses. He's not like Moses. The scripture tells us his position. He's greater than Moses. Just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. Sometimes you see a very big and powerful house and we see it and everybody's first question, whose house is this? The house is bigger than the one who built it, but the glory goes to the one who built it. And it says, for every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. The truths that God will reveal later, Moses' work was an illustration of it. It was a template of it. As we have always said in understanding your scriptures, that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So that is what is being revealed here. His work was an illustration of God's plan and truth that will be revealed later, but see, this scripture is doing a comparison. Everywhere when he introduces an individual, then he says, but Christ. Then this one, it says, but Christ as the son is in charge of God's entire house. Moses was a servant in the house, but the son is in charge of the house. Glory be to Jesus. And we are God's house. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ, so we are God's house. The son is in charge of this house. And Moses, it was just one of the servants in the house. So you see your position now. You are the house. Amen. Hallelujah. You are God's house. And Jesus, therefore, is the son in charge of the house. He is greater than Moses. Number four, he is greater than Joshua. He is greater than Joshua. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 6 to 11. Because there are religions that hold Joshua high. And they say that he's very anointed. He's very special. They place Jesus on the same level as him. They even try to erroneously say, which of course is the name, correct? Jehoshua, which means Jesus, which means God saves or savior. That is the derivative for the word Jesus, Jesus. And so they try to say that, you know, Joshua has the same name. As Jesus, and they are at the same level because he brought the people into the promised land eventually. Glory be to Jesus. Where are they in the land now? But there's one that is bringing you to a better promised land because the scripture told us all those things were illustrations of the truth yet to be revealed. And the Bible says, So God's rest is there for people to enter. Verse 6 to 11. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted 
Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Verse 8. Now if Joshua had succeeded in giving them rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So where, most, where Joshua brought them to was still not their final rest. Hallelujah. The promised land was an illustration of the final rest that will be in Christ, in God. So, there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. Verse 10. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So, let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, then we will fail. Hallelujah. If you read from the verse 1, it talks about the Sabbath. Then it talks, it talks about God taking a rest. Then it talks about the Sabbath. And all these things, the reality of true rest from labor, from stress, from challenges, from attacks, from everything is in Christ. One day the Christ himself said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When they entered the promised land, which was supposed to have been rest, enemies still came. Enemies still came to fight them. Some of them became captives. But when Jesus gives you rest, there is a red line that Satan cannot cross. Glory be to Jesus. So Jesus is greater than Joshua. May he give you rest from all pain, all attacks, all contentions, all limitations, all frustrations, all sicknesses. He gives total rest. The Bible says, and God gave David rest round about. He enjoyed rest. Then you can enjoy the blessings of the Lord. Glory be to Jesus. So Joshua is not greater than Jesus. Jesus is greater than him. Number five. Jesus is greater than all the Aaronic priests. All the priests in the Old Testament, Jesus is greater than them. So that means their sacrifices, you can't copy the same thing today. We still have other people doing all these things. Killing animals and say it happened in the Old Testament. That is a faulty tabernacle. The real tabernacle is here. He is Christ. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. He is God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God who appointed him just as Moses said faithfully when he was entrusted with God's house. So the Bible is telling us that this Jesus is also a high priest. Now Hebrews chapter 6 verse 20 tells us Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. He's an eternal high priest. A high priest who will never die. All the Aaronic priests, they died. All from the line of Aaron, they died. But Jesus never dies. Amen. Look at verse 25 of chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25. Therefore, Jesus is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. The Aaronic priests don't live forever. But Jesus lives forever as a high priest forever. Glory be to Jesus. Hebrews, look at verse 26. He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless. 
the high priest of old, they were not holy and blameless. That's why whenever they get into the temple to offer sacrifice or the tabernacle, they carry two bowls of blood with them. One to offer for their own sins. Then they are qualified to offer the sins on behalf of the nation. But when Jesus went in there, he took only one bowl, his blood. He didn't offer one for himself. He offered for all humanity, once and for all, past, present, and future. He is greater than any high priest that has ever lived. Glory be to Jesus. And the Bible says he lives forever. He says he is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless and stained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. No high priest occupies such a place except him. Look at chapter 8, verse 1 to 6. It says, this is the main point. Of all that we have been talking about from chapter 1, all that we have been talking about, whenever you're reading the book of Hebrews, I love the verse, chapter 8, verse 1. So I say, now this is the main thing. This is the main point. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. Aaron himself is not here. Amen. In fact, Moses is not sitting there. The Bible says, this high priest sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. There he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. The one that Aaron goes into was built by human hands. The Bible tells us that Aholiab and Bezalel constructed that one. Moses supervised it. Aaron and all of the people built it. But Jesus is ministering in a tabernacle that is not built by human hands. Glory be to Jesus. And since every high priest is required to offer gifts and sacrifices, our high priest, somebody say, my high priest, must also make an offering. And the Bible says, if he were on earth, he would not even be a priest. Since there are already priests who offer the gifts required by the law. They serve in a system of worship that is only a copy. A shadow of the real one in heaven. My God. Jesus is ministering from the real one. The Bible says all the other tabernacles you see on earth. They are a copy. When you see original and photocopy, what would you go for? When you are worshiping in a photocopy. And somebody is worshipping in the original. Tell me who is carrying the unction. The real deal is the one that the high priest himself is serving in. A tabernacle not made with hands. Glory be to Jesus. That's why we don't need to go to any particular direction or any location. We don't need to face the east. Neither do we need to face the north. Wherever we stand lifting holy hands and calling upon the name of Jesus, there is an immediate access to the very presence of God, to this very tabernacle where God is, where the altar of God is. And we pray to him and he hears us whether we are under the sea or on top of the sea, whether we are in the skies or we are on the earth. He is everywhere and he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think of he is greater hallelujah he's a greater high priest in jesus name than the ironic priest and the ironic systems glory be to jesus and the bible says for when moses was getting ready to build a tabernacle god gave him this warning be sure that you make everything according to the pattern i have shown you here on the mountain 
So one they were building was a clear copy. But now, somebody say now. Verse 6. Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God. Based on better promises. Hallelujah. I said it is based on better promises. The one in the old was being covered. The sins were covered. So the people are still one way or the other guilty. But Jesus mediates a covenant that speaks better things. Better life. Better promises. Better healing. Better deliverance. Better rest in the name of Jesus. None of the high priests of old can offer such a thing. And sometimes when you go to some of our areas, our traditional areas in Africa, see people offering sacrifices and trying to, trying to force the Old Testament into it. That system is dead and obsolete. That system has no power to forgive sins. That system has no power to deliver anyone. That system can only do substitution. Take something and put another. But Jesus was our perfect substitute. No goat can replace him. No goat can give you life in Jesus' name. Any sacrifices based on goats and anything will rather bring the devil to take charge over you. In Jesus' name. Glory be to Jesus. Number six. Let me move quickly. Let me move quickly. Number six. Jesus as high priest of the order of Melchizedek is greater than Abraham. Jesus as high priest of the order of Melchizedek is greater than Abraham. He's greater than Abraham. Jesus is greater than Abraham. One day the Jews tried to test it and Jesus gave them an uncompromising answer. He said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And when he saw it, he was glad. They said, you are not yet 50 years old. Have you seen Abraham? He said, before Abraham, I am. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1 to 10. This Melchizedek was king of the city of Shalom, or Salem, and also a priest of God most high. Hebrews 7, 1 to 10. When Abraham was returning home, after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth or the tithe of all he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice and king of Salem means king of peace. The man alone had two titles. His name means king of justice and king of peace. Isaiah told us that when the son is born, one of his names will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. Even from that Isaiah account, you see that Jesus is God. He's called Everlasting Father. <laughs> and the Prince of Peace. Here we have a man called Melchizedek being described as King of Peace. Verse 3. There is no record of his father or mother. This one was a strange one that Abraham met. He has no father or mother. And the Bible says, in or any of his ancestors, no beginning or end to his life. Is this not sounding like someone that looks like God? 
He remains a priest forever, resembling the Son of God. Hallelujah. Resembling the Son of God. And the Bible said, consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Christ is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He's of that rank. He is like Melchizedek. And the Bible is saying that this Melchizedek is greater than Abraham. So the Bible says, Consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tithe of what he had taken in battle. Now the law of Moses required that the priests who are descendants of Levi must collect a tithe from the rest of the people of Israel who are also descendants of Abraham. But Melchizedek was not a descendant of Levi. He collected a tenth from Abraham. And Melchizedek placed a blessing upon Abraham, the one who, who had already received the promises of God. Abraham received promises from God. But when he met Melchizedek, he could not bless Melchizedek because the greater blesses the lesser. Hallelujah. And you give the tithe to the greater, to the greater priesthood. So the Bible says Abraham gave him tithes because he recognized that this one is higher. And it's of that rank that Christ belongs. Amen. And when he received the tithe, the law to give tithe has not been given. But Abraham had revelation that you give tithes to God. Sometimes people have argued, say, oh, after this, where else did we see Abraham give tithe? Where, where else did we see him go to war? As I've been teaching you on biblical interpretation, wherever the director of the movie wants us to see as relevant to the whole thing, that's what is captured and put in the final movie. So when they are acting, they shoot a lot of things. But finally, when they edit and put it in, they put in the one that they believe you should be able to pay attention to. That's why the scripture says, and there are many things that Jesus did and performed. But these things have been written that in them we will believe that Jesus is the son of God. Glory be to Jesus. So the Bible said, Melchizedek did not descend from Levi. Just as Jesus Christ did not descend from Levi. He came from Judah. And Melchizedek placed a blessing of Abraham, the one who already received the promise of God. And without question, verse 7, the person who has the power to give a blessing is greater than the one who is blessed. The one who has power to give the blessing is greater than the one who receives the blessing. So that means Melchizedek was greater than Abraham. And if Christ is of that order, then Christ is greater than Abraham. So it's an error to try to place them on the same place. He's just like Abraham. Islam, thou art wrong. Thou, thou art wrong. Islam, you must be born again. In Jesus' name. Islam, you must be born again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. Amen. Right, now let's carry on. Verse 8, the priests who collect tithes are men who die. So Melchizedek is greater than they are because we are told that he still lives on. In addition, we might even say that these Levites, the one who collect the tithe, paid a tithe to Melchizedek when their ancestor Abraham paid a tithe to him. For although Levi wasn't born yet, the seed from which he came was in Abraham's body when Melchizedek collected a tithe from him. My God. This is deep. But let me not go there. Let's go to number 7. So that I can end this thing, we pray. Number seven. Jesus' ministry 
is greater than the Old Testament tabernacle ministry. Jesus' ministry is greater than the Old Testament tabernacle ministry. So the seventh reason why Jesus is greater is because his ministry is greater than the Old Testament tabernacle ministry. Verse, chapter 8, verse 1 to 6, we read that earlier on in one of the verses. He said, here is the main point. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor. When you get into the Holy of Holies, there is no furniture to sit down. Whenever the priests go there, they stand until they finish ministration and they leave. But this Jesus, when he had finished his own, he sat down. When he sat down, it means it is finished. When he said it is finished on the cross, it was applicable. When he finished, he sat down. And the Bible says he ascended to heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father. I've finished the assignment. Man is saved forever. So long as they believe in me that I am the son of God and they believe I died and rose again from the dead for them, they are saved forever. He sat down. But the high priest in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, had to be standing. And every time they are standing, but when Jesus did his own, he sat down. Glory be to Jesus. So we have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. There he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, not an earthly one. The true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. That's where he's ministering from. It's a higher thing. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. Look at verse 6. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. Jesus' ministry is far superior to the old priesthood. So you don't need to copy certain things of the old priesthood. Amen. You don't need certain ablutions and washings of your ears and nose and mouth and legs before you pray. You don't need to face the tabernacle. That's why God ensured that the, the temple is broken. So people don't have to go there. We don't have to, we Christians don't have to face Jerusalem. I don't even know where it is in an emergency. Glory be to Jesus. Sometimes when you are flying on Emirates, you know, they have a, when it's time, they have a way that they notify and people will turn in that direction. The Muslims said it's time to pray. If it's 3, 3 p.m., see that they will turn. So the east is here. I mean, what kind of problem is this? If the plane is about to fall, would you know where the east is? To call on your God? But we can lift up holy hands anywhere. Because the name of Jesus is a powerful name. It can manifest in the lion's den. When Daniel was in the lion's den, where was east and west and north? The Lord sent an angel to rescue him. Hallelujah. When they were on the boat and the Bible says the storm came. How do you know where the east will be? The Bible says water was coming to the boat. They called on Jesus. He caught up and he said, be quiet, you waters. And everything became quiet. He is the savior. He is the one that we can call on him. Irrespective of geographical location. When your house is on fire and you get up at night. How do you know where the east will be before you call? And all those limitations is lifted in Jesus name. Some of those things have been copied and that's why sometimes, you know, in some religions or some of our Christian denominations, it's still the women must put on a scarf before they pray. In an emergency, where would they get scarf? It means God won't hear them if they don't have scarf. Why do we limit our God like he's some limited being? He's not a limited liability company. 
Glory be to Jesus. He is almighty God. He is powerful. Jesus Christ has a far excellent ministry than the tabernacle ministry. Where they just need to go there all the time. Physically go to that location. Today he has broken it in Jerusalem. You get to the temple mount and you won't see anything. The only thing is that wailing wall. Which is the only remnant remaining of the western side of the wall. The one closest to the Shekinah. That's why the Jews go there and connect to that. But that's it. You see, even he has left the wall. Look at it. They are making it a point of contact. If he had left the whole thing there, we are finished. He is the one we can call on in our rooms. Whether you are in Accra or Abiyakuta. Whether you are in Tokyo or you are in Saskatchewan in Canada. All those places you can call on God and he will hear you. And whether you speak Hebrew or English or Ga or Ever or Tree or any language in the world, God will still hear you. If you are lost in the Amazon forest, he will still hear you. You don't know your bearings by his God Almighty. Praise God. I heard a testimony of the late Archbishop Idahosa on his flight to New York. And it was announced by the pilot that the engine has failed. And if anyone has a God to call on, they should call on him. And he said, I don't know where I am now because I've lost my bearings. And this was the announcement that came. At his death, one of these... Um, Jewish, one of them was a co-pilot. He came to even give this testimony. Now, and he got up and said, I know where I'm going. God has sent me to New York. And in the name of Jesus, we will arrive. And in the name of Jesus, I command the engines to have life. Power came. Where is he going to turn to east in that emergency? Our God is not limited. He's almighty God. This is the kind of power we need to switch on in our days through fasting and prayer and consecration and holiness, sanctification and the word. And we will see this same God is at work in our days in Jesus' name. We can't make him any greater than he is. Hallelujah. He has a far superior covenant and priesthood than the Old Testament priests. And chapter 9, verse 1 to 28, later on you can go home and read. It tells us the same things. Amen. It tells us the holy place and all those things that happen and tells us the most important thing that Christ did. And I want us to read only that bit there. Verse 24. Verse 24 to 27. Chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. Have you seen the scripture? I said, that one is a copy. <laughs> he entered into heaven itself. Oh my God. To appear now before God on our behalf. And he did not enter into heaven to offer himself again and again. Like the high priest here on earth, who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. Verse 26, if that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. Verse 27, and just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment, 
so also Christ was also offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. And he will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Praise Jesus. So the Old Testament priesthood system requires the priest to keep on going every year. But this one is far superior. It's once and for all. I tell you, if you have confessed your sins, your sins are forgiven. You will remember, but God says you will remember. Satan will try to remind you, but you need to tell him that you don't know your theology, Satan. And I'm not going to let you educate me on a false theology. When Jesus forgave my sins, when he dealt you that blow that kept you in coma until Acts chapter 6. I want you to stay where you are and know your limits. That I have been redeemed by the blood. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. When he got up from that coma from chapter 7 and chapter 8, he said, hey, what is going on here? A church has been planted. Where were you when the Holy Ghost was coming on? On the day of Pentecost. He was still under Holy Ghost central anesthesia. Jesus gave him an uppercut. And he fell. And all the demons, and he overcame them. Hallelujah. And made a public show of them, triumphing over them in it. Then by chapter 8, just got up and said, let me find somebody called Saul. Let me enter into him and start persecuting the church. You are too late. God is always one step ahead. Praise God. Jesus has a superior covenant. Amen. Number 9. Point 9. Are we in point 9? 8. Okay. Why am I moving so fast? Okay. Jesus' new covenant is greater than the old covenant. Jesus' new covenant is greater than than the Old Testament covenant. So we talk about the system, now we are talking about the covenant. There is an old covenant and there is new covenant. They are not the same. The old covenant cannot be compared to the new covenant. That's why there are certain things in the old covenant you don't bring yourself under. Certain rituals, certain ceremonies, you don't need them anymore. You are saved. Those things are symbolic of the reality to come. We don't need to sacrifice animals. So if you go anywhere there to bring sacrifice animals and all those things, no. That is satanic. That is old. It's gone. That is not representing anything. Jesus has come to fulfill that for us. In Jesus' name. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6 to 13. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. Praise God. The shrines... The satanic temples, they are not based on better promises. They are catches. They are traps. Satan did not create anything. He can't give anything free. He whom the son of God sets free is free indeed. Praise God. The Bible says, if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with the people... He said, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. Verse 10, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbor. 
nor would they need to teach their relatives saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. When he plants his word in our hearts, we will know him. We will know him, we will understand him by his Holy Spirit in us. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. This is the terms of the new covenant. God says he will remember your sins. Satan will remind you of it, but God says he will never remember it. So don't put yourself under any form of prison. Let those who know you to be a sinner, let them keep on talking about your sins. They who have not sinned before, let them continue to throw the big stones. Very soon the stone will hit the wall and come and hit them. But if God has already forgiven your sins, anyone accusing you of that past sin is falsely accusing you and that person is a co-laborer with the devil because the devil's job description is the accuser of the brethren. Glory be to Jesus. So don't let anything tie you when you begin to pray. The devil comes to remember the sin you committed last time, the sin you committed 10 years ago, the sins you committed 20 years ago. So you are not able to do ministry. You are not able to preach. You are afraid. Be like Paul. He said, this one thing I do. Paul understood that he has been delivered and that God does not remember his sins anymore. He had to go to the church in Jerusalem to preach. Mrs. Stevens and her gang will be at church, but Paul will still preach because this one thing I do, forget about the past hallelujah and putting focus on that which my God has called me to fulfill and that's why he was able to fulfill his ministry and end up writing two thirds of the New Testament and being able to preach the word of God because some people will say but this was a sinner this one that organized the murder of apostles himself wrote it and when you are saved and you know your sins are forgiven you are not ashamed to confess them you are not ashamed to say I used to be like that he said for this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ came to save sinners of which I am chief. He said the people are now saying the one that used to attack the church is now building what he used to destroy. This is good testimony but he's still preaching. You can still call him a murderer but heaven says this is a saint. They call you a prostitute but your sins are forgiven and so you are washed and cleansed. Mary Magdalene, seven demons were cast out of her but she followed Jesus because she knew her iniquities are no longer remembered and she called in that place to bring the good news from the graveyard. She saw the risen Jesus. The self-righteous ones, where were they in the cemetery? Jesus met her and commissioned her to bring the message to even the greatest of the apostles. Ladies and gentlemen, God can do greater things with you when you understand that the covenant of the old is past and Jesus' covenant is far superior. The terms of that covenant says your iniquities he shall no longer remember. He said, how is that possible? That's why he's God. That's why you are human. You can remember some things. And God says he won't remember. So long as the blood has dealt with it, he's not going to remember. Hallelujah. And that's not a license and a visa to keep on seeing him. But people who have understood the sacrifice made for them will not deliberately crucify the son of God twice. Glory be to Jesus. So the Bible says, I will forgive their wickedness. And I will never again remember their sins. What good news. This time is in the New Testament. And when God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. All that they did in the Old Testament is obsolete. So you can't go anywhere and say, we, do, we are offering this. We are dressing like the high priest. And we are offering sacrifices. And we are killing sheep. And they have to wash themselves. And, and then they try to mix things up. Ladies and gentlemen, you can stand anywhere and call on the Lord. So long as you are born again. In Jesus' name. 
It is now out of date and will soon disappear. Number nine. Number nine. Jesus Christ's sacrifice is greater than the Old Testament sacrifice. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ is greater than the Old Testament sacrifices. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 to 14 and verse 18 to 22. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow. A dim preview of the good things to come. Glory be to Jesus. We now have the good things to come. They are here. Not the good things themselves. The things in the Old Testament, the sacrifices. Two turtle doves. And all those things that have to be sacrificed. All the blood sacrifices. And the washings. And all of that. Which today some people are still practicing. In some Koliko churches. They are doing all these things. You know Koliko. Koliko is God's word for puppet. You know, puppet can't move unless somebody remotely controls it. And that's certain things. These are puppet ministries. Jesus' own is a real one. And you are born again into a real ministry. In Jesus' name. The Bible says those things in the Old Testament, they are a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come. Not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year. But they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. It was never able to save them. It wasn't able. Every time they said, bring a goat, bring a cow, bring this to sanctify the the town, to cleanse the place. To cleanse you and your house and all those things. They say, bring this one, bring this one. And they are rather putting all kinds of satanic spirits to control your life. When you are born again, you don't need these things. The Bible says, if they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshippers would have been purified once for all the time. And their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Have you seen it? It's not possible for blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So don't go anywhere and they tell you that bring a goat and the teeth of a lion. And if you don't have the teeth of a lion, bring 10 million before they can do something for you. If those things were working, it would have worked long ago. In Jesus' name. May we not be blind into the wrong places. I was told a a very sad story of a sister who was looking for a child. A man and his wife looking for a child. And they went to a place. The so-called prophet says that the woman should come and stay at his place for three days. That you have to work some sacrifices. Then later I told her, unless he sleeps with her before she'll be, her womb will be open. And she too, for some reason, believed it. And allowed the man. You see, you don't have the word. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think of. Not a prophet sleeping with you. Which one is in the scriptures? May the Lord remove set people from places called churches. May God bring understanding to the people in church. In Jesus' name. You can't go to certain places. 
But the Bible says, but instead, those sacrifices actually reminded of their sins. Verse 5. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifice or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it's written about me in the scriptures. For Christ said, You did not want animal sacrifice or sin or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them. Though they were required under the law of Moses, but they were actually shadows of the Christ to come to offer himself as the real deal. Glory be to Jesus. Amen. And then look at verse 12. Verse um, 11. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifice again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And there he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. Praise God. This is the truth. That's why Christ's sacrifice is greater than every other. Number 10. Experiencing Christ is greater than experiencing Mount Sinai. Amen. Experiencing Christ is greater than experiencing Mount Sinai. On Mount Sinai, there were mighty things. There were thunderings and lightnings. And God came down. And gave ten commandments to Moses. And instructions. A voice was heard. The, the place shook. The people had to separate themselves for three days. And all these things. But the Bible said. When we experience Christ. It is far, far greater than any other experience in the Old Testament. In Hebrews chapter 12. And the verse number 18 to 24. The Bible says. You have not come to a physical mountain. To a place of a flaming fire. Darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast, and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Verse 21, Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. Verse 20, no, you have come rather to Mount Zion. Somebody say, I'm in Mount Zion. To the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. Hallelujah. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. And you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. And to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness and better things than the blood of Abel. That is where you have come to. It has a better experience. It has a better deliverance. Upon all the things that happened on Mount Sinai, it did not take away the sins of the people. It did not take away the sins of the world. But when Jesus came, that is our Mount Zion. The Bible says that there we have salvation. We have deliverance once and for all. We have total freedom. And the blood speaks better things for us. The blood speaks better life. On the shrines of Satanists, there is a blood that is speaking curses. 
in many families of people that are listening to me. There are altars in your bloodline where there have been a sacrifice. Some have been animal sacrifices. Some have been human sacrifices. And these curses are running through the bloodline. But the blood of Jesus, the Bible says, speaks. Those places are the altars and shrines of demons. They speak. They speak curses. They speak failures. They speak bad things. They speak evil. But the blood of Jesus speaks better things. It speaks better life. It speaks better health. It speaks better marriages. It speaks better children. Better academic life. Better progress in life. It speaks long life. It speaks peace and prosperity. I pray for you this evening in the name of the Lord Jesus that this superior position of Christ shall be manifested in your case. That the voice of the name of Jesus and the voice of the blood of Jesus will silence every oracle that is speaking against you in the mighty name of Jesus. We release the name of Jesus and call upon the name of Jesus over and above every limitation, every curse, every attack in the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray that every sacrifice is made everywhere and anywhere to demand for your life, that of your children, that of your family. In Jesus' mighty name, we break it now by the name of Jesus we speak your liberty and your freedom in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are we ready to pray? And I want you to know that the reason why he's greater than all of these things that we have mentioned through all these experiences and these examples is the fact that that is why when we pray, we pray only through his name. He himself said it in John 14, 13 to 14. He said, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Father can bring glory to the, to the, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name. Not in anybody's name, in his name. Hallelujah. Not in the name of any other God. Not in the name of the village God. Not in the name of the family God. Not in the name of some shrine. Not in the name of some saint. Not in the name of some Saint Paul, Saint Anthony, Saint Padua. All those things. They are human beings that may have died and they have done some writings on earth. Not those other spirit beings that are worshipped by uh, as angels and those things that appear in some of these colico churches and these shrines and these satanic temples. The Bible tells us he said whatever you ask the father in my name it shall be granted hallelujah john 16 23 24 he says at the time you wouldn't need to ask me for anything i tell you the truth you will ask the father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name hallelujah he said you haven't done this before ask using my name and you will receive and you have abundant joy. Tonight we will ask using his name. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. John 16, 26, 27. It says, then you will ask in my name. I am not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you dearly. Because you love me and believe that I came from God. He said, you will ask in my name. And no wonder in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to 18. The Bible says, Jesus told them, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believes not shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they shall cast out demons. 
demons. Tonight, in the name of Jesus, we will cast out those demons that are supervising curses and illnesses and evil in your life and in your family and in your situation. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, you can't stop them by animal sacrifices. You can't go to shrines and witches and wizards to help you. The name of Jesus is powerful and sometimes we don't need to physically visit those places. The name of Jesus is powerful and he can take care of it in the name of Jesus Christ. And when he said they should use his name, the disciples really used the name. In Acts chapter 3 verse 6 and the verse number 16, the Bible says Peter and John, when they saw the man at the beautiful gate and he was begging for arms, Peter looked at him and said, silver and gold I don't have. Acts chapter 3 verse 6 and the verse 16. He said, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man stood. And in verse 16, when people, they brought them before the council to question them, he said, by the name of Jesus this man is standing whole by the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Acts chapter 17, when Paul saw that young girl who was possessed with a spirit of divination, Paul looked at her and said, in the name of Jesus, come out. And the demon came out at that instant. That is why in chapter 19, some rascals decided to go and cast a demon out. And they said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. So you see, the name of Jesus is what makes the difference. And Jesus promised, use my name. Hallelujah. Not any other person's name. His name is powerful than the Queen of England's name. His name is powerful than the United States President's name. His name is powerful than any other name. And at that name, every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord.